Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good morning, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, your host of Believe in Sports Law. Today is Monday, February 3rd, 2020. And uh, this is, again, Believe in Sports Law uh, with the, via the Believe Podcast Network. This is Episode 5 of Season 2. Happy to be with you uh, today. And uh, we have a very interesting topic uh, for today, and it is industry innovations in entertainment, media, and sports. And so what we're really talking about here is some startup companies that um, I had come across recently that I think could potentially have a profound effect on the industry uh, depending on how existing players and companies either uh, engage with these platforms or um, how these folks you know, essentially become uh, bigger companies in themselves, or at least with the technology. So a little background on this. Uh, this past week, I was in Santa Monica, California, and I was invited to participate in a startup boot camp. And yeah, you, you can go check out their website. It's actually startupbootcamp.org. Uh, so uh, S-T-A-R-T-U-P-B-O-O-T-Camp.org. Um, um, great program that's based in Melbourne, Australia, uh, but they have partners all around the world. And essentially their whole role is to get uh, young companies um, started, specifically in the sort of sports space, but expanding also into sort of entertainment and media Um and we've talked about this previously, but there definitely seems to be a consolidation of the industry, particularly, you know, seeing, um, you know, athletes getting into, getting into broadcasting and running their own production companies. And um, so maybe the better way to put it is we're seeing a lot of sports stars get into the entertainment space, uh, which is not something new, but we're definitely seeing a lot more of it as um, platforms make it more readily available. There's actually this great book that um, I've been reading uh, recently called Exponential Organizations by a gentleman named Salim Ishmael, uh, who runs, I think, Singularity University. And it's a great book that really talks about when you look at the largest companies that are out there today, the Airbnbs, um, the Googles, the uh, Ubers, these types of companies that have grown so quickly and become so powerful in a small period of time, or normally, you know, for example, let's say in the manufacturing industry, you know, particularly for cars, you know, it takes years to scale a business, right? You know, you'd have to build the factories and do all these things to, you know, get the production facility going, hire the employees, do all those things. Well, with companies like Uber and Airbnb, you know, we have Uber, which is maybe one of the largest car companies in the world, but they don't own a car. You know, they're all independent contractors uh, that are out there driving these these vehicles. I think California laws try to change that a little bit by making it harder to classify independent contractors. But the latest news on that has been that um, Uber's challenging that and uh, going to continue to classify its drivers um, as independent contractors which of course makes sense for it business for its business model. 
and particularly sort of, at least in the traditional way of viewing things, it, it makes sense also on the legal side um, and have been a business side to classify them that way. But, you know, again, we'll see how that plays out. And of course, Airbnb is one of the largest hotels in the world, and yet they don't own one property. Now, I did read an article recently uh, talking about um, Airbnb and they're going to be branding a hotel. I think it's up in Sacramento and um, it's it's going to be a Airbnb branded property there. I think they're going to be leasing it. So that might be the first situation where Airbnb actually owns um, you know, a hotel property. But the point in this book, Exponential Organizations, is that with sort of digital transformation and the ability to scale businesses so quickly and the ability to crowdsource information, look at Waze, for example, as an app, uh, its power is in its information that it collects from its users. Um, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, all these social media companies, the power is in the network, right? It's in the ability to share information and uh, also for the company to collect information on its users, which of course gets into you know privacy issues. Um, it, so it, it's sort of we're in this fascinating time where you know companies like Airbnb and Uber have been around for ten so years, but yet they're some of the largest, most powerful companies in the world. Whereas for the most part, larger companies it takes you know years to build up and um, to sort of see how growth is going to play out in that sense. So that all being said, a little background, um, you know, I participated in this startup boot camp where I was a, a judge or a mentor, so to speak. You know, so I listened to, I think, f- three or four pitches uh, from some companies and uh, from their owners and then essentially gave feedback um, you know, in those sessions and then also privately. So, uh, you know, or I guess maybe on a one-on-one basis with a couple other mentors. And, um, you know, sort of coming out of that, you know, look, it was an enjoyable event. Uh, it was fantastic to sort of see these new startups, um, you know, trying to break into the space and, um, and even some folks, you know, traveling from as far as South Africa and some other places. So very interesting. Um, so I think what today, what today, what we're going to do is really highlight three of these companies that presented, um, at the startup bootcamp and, there is some common trends that I think with these three companies, and we'll get into them here in a moment. Um, you know, for one, all of these companies are looking for ways to innovate in sports and entertainment, specifically how to consume data and information. In that book, I was mentioning exponential organizations. It's interesting because um, one of the things it's talked about is obviously the power of the network, the power of scaling through digital transformation, but it also talks about, um, you know, sort of how a lot of folks these days are looking at the experience economy, uh, specifically millennials and looking at, you know, they would rather experience something than own something. And so I think that's where Uber has found its power. Airbnb has found its power. Not that you own necessarily a ride share or a taxi uh, or an Airbnb, but it's just, it's a different experience, right? And so um Again, looking at these companies through that prism, through that lens of they're trying to disrupt, right? They're trying to find ways to do something that exists, but do it better. Uh, And we'll get into those here in a bit. And then there's really two questions that arise with the introduction of these companies into the marketplace. You know, one, how will existing industry players adapt or not? And then two, 
are there copyright concerns that can be navigated through different partnerships? And which really means who's getting paid and who owns it and that sort of thing. Uh, and I think each startup sort of presents their own excitement, but also some challenges. So let's get into it. So the first one is a company called Champions Round. Uh, their website is, I think it's just www.championsround.com. And Champions Round is a micro fantasy sports application. You can actually get it on uh, through your Apple app, uh, application app, your application store, uh, whether you have Google or whatever store you know you have for your Android. Um, you can get into some of that. It, you know, it's basically on there. I, I checked it out. Uh, the idea stems from the realization that attention spans are, are waning. And so, uh, again, this sort of goes to that point about the experience economy, people looking for an experience. Uh, this is particularly probably why live concerts have sort of gone up in terms of the music uh, industry. Uh, people want that experience. And what sort of happens with this micro fantasy sports is that what it does is that it splits up. Let's say you have a season, you know, baseball uh, has a season of 162 games, right? So in that season, that's obviously a long season, right? Well, what it does is it'll split it up into four parts. So it'll say, you know, the first sort of round one is, you know, the first quarter of the season and round two is the next quarter and so on and so forth. But let's say you have a bad draft and you don't draft a great team. Well, it essentially splits up the season so you can have a start over. Well, this is obviously great for advertising dollars. It's great to keep people engaged. Um, how many times if, you know, if, you've, if you're a fantasy sports player, um, you know, you get into a situation where, you have a bad draft and, you know, you, basically the whole season is shot, right? And not, nothing more different from like a real game. You know, you're an athlete, you're playing for a bad franchise. You know, it, it's going to be basically a lost season other than what you can do for personal development or team development for the next season. Uh, in a sense of pride, of course, but, um, you know, ultimately Champions Round splits it up. And it's a novel idea. Uh, and I think that it, it's something that could be fascinating for fans uh, great for advertisers, uh, and again, it gets uh, more eyeballs on content, right? More eyeballs and sort of engagement with the application. So um, it, they're they're a great little company um, that's getting started. Uh, got to meet their leadership team, and um, I, I think they, they they have they have a really good shot of getting something going here. Again, it'd be curious as to how Yahoo Sports or ESPN responds to this. Um, and maybe even using their own idea of something like this for their for their own applications. I'm sort of surprised that it really is a great idea, and I'm just surprised that the other companies haven't jumped on this because um, it just seems like something that sort of makes sense and is very logical in that way. So the first one again, Champions Round, uh, with regard to the startup boot camp that um, that uh, that I attended uh, as a judge, and then. Uh, within, within the sort of the idea of industry innovations and entertainment media sports. The second company is a company called Clip Isle. So that's uh, C-L-I-P-A-I-S-L-E. So almost like uh, like you're recording a clip from an aisle of a concert or an aisle of a whatever, a building. And uh, it's really a captivating application because what it does is it crowdsources fan recorded views of concerts um, through an application that you download. And once you record it, it runs it through its algorithm 
uh, and sort of edits the, the 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 sound to make it you know to obviously make it better, you know, masters the product so to speak, to eventually where it, it turns it into a consumable product that can be you know viewed online through social media, it can be sold, and then of course the big issue here is is okay, well, who owns that copyright? Generally, you might say it's the publishing companies. Is it the artist? Uh, is it the person that's you know recording it? You know, if you remember back in the day that you know you go to a concert or you know something, and it was sort of funny because it was always like, don't take pictures or don't record, you know, this copyrighted you know sort of broadcast, right, or live performance. And then of course, over time, it's uh, I think artists and publishing companies realize that you know uh, there's power in sharing of information through social media. And of course, this is where I think Universal Music Group was the first to broker a deal with uh, Facebook and getting them to um, uh, pay a licensing fee for all of the content, music content that was being published on their website. So um, we're definitely in a, in, a, in a new era, moving into a new era. So Clip Isle, again, it's this application that crowdsources fan rec- recorded views, which basically means they bring all the recorded views of a certain concert from people that are watching on that um, or using that application. Um, now, of course, what's interesting about this is that this application could also be used for other sports games and other entertainment. Uh, imagine using this at a you know football game from the stands or a basketball game. That might be a kind of a cool experience, right, to get the whole sort of experience of, you know, you have your traditional view from the broadcast, but then maybe you have this extra consumable content. Now, from a consumer standpoint, uh, consumers already have high-end camera technology in their phones. And so recording, you know, costs nothing. And it, it really reduced production cost if an artist or, or a publishing company label or whatever wanted to have this additional content. Um, and then, of course, you know, internet technology with regard to Wi-Fi it's not really applicable here because you're not live streaming that, you know, what you're recording. It's, it's being loaded into an app and then turned into something that sounds better and uh, can be, you know, through this algorithm or whatever, can be sort of spliced together to, you know, turn into a consumable product. And again, the question here is, is who owns the copyright? You know, is it the music labels? Is it the publishers? Is it the artist? Uh, is it the fans who are actually recording it? So... Uh, it will be interesting to see where this goes, um, and of course, will will fans want to you know share their videos? And of course, if they sign up for the app, they're gonna, as the legal term would go, mutually assent to the terms of the deal by you know signing that little check, that little box or whatever, as you sign up for different apps. Um, so make sure to read those, by the way. And um, so we'll see how this plays out. I think it's a fascinating uh, potential with regard to Clip Isle. And the application, uh, the app is uh, available, I believe, in the App Store. So you can check it out. I've had some people that have told me they've downloaded it and used it for different concerts. So um, it will be interesting. And, um, you know, again, could be an additional um, uh, avenue, so to speak, for experiences and revenue. You know, imagine the advertising dollars, the additional sort of sale of uh, this content uh, could be big for uh, artist and traditional broadcasters and publishers in music or, uh, you know, entertainment, sports, whatever it might be. The last one, um, and again, we're talking about industry innovations in entertainment, media, and sports. Um, 
We've talked about Champions Round, which is a micro fantasy sports application that splits up the, the fantasy sports season into four parts um, to allow people to engage more and to have second, third, and fourth chances to win a season. And then uh, Clip Isle is a crowdsourced application for concerts uh, that could be potentially expanded into other sports and entertainment uh, events. And then um, Kingmaker is the last one. And um, there's a YouTube video uh, out there. If you look up on YouTube, there's a Kingmaker video there. Uh, and by the way, the Clip Isle, uh, going back a little bit, the Clip Isle website is just www.clipisle.com. So Kingmaker, another fascinating idea. It's a player-mounted camera that allows fans to see the game from the player's perspective. So it's essentially it's a, a first-person uh, perspective. So you know you can imagine a punt returner returning a punt or a base stealer, you know, you know, sliding into second base or something. You know, things like that that I think, or somebody hits a triple and you're following the ball player around as he's running around the bases. Uh, star running back, you know, who uh, you know, runs in for the winning touchdown, right? Now, again, a first-person uh, perspective, uh, I think watching for an entire event, probably not going to be useful, right? You know, you're going to – there was that movie that came out recently where that occurred and it was first-person perspective. I mean, I think in a period of – a short period of time, um, you know, but anything extended, it's not going to be the best situation, right? So – but I think as – a combined opportunity, you know, using this in a major broadcast, you know, using it as additional, again, experience, right? And you can imagine uh, the revenue opportunities for this, you know, advertising dollars. You can talk about, um, you know, especially in California with the advent of the uh, f um, Fair Pay to Play Act, right? And allowing uh, non-professional student athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness if they have a personal channel, social media, or even on a gaming network like Amazon on Twitch, where uh, they're using this first-person camera um, to, you know, blast out to their followers, right? And then, of course, advertising dollars can be sold on there, sponsorship opportunities. And it's an immediate, you know, broadcast and distribution channel for some of these athletes. And, of course, from a partnership standpoint, Existing television broadcasters could use this, um, you know, very collaboratively if they wanted to. Now, uh, again, endorsement opportunities, we talked about sponsorship opportunities. Um, it gives an athlete direct sort of, um, you know, sort of vision into uh, distribution. And um, the problem, I guess, two things that sort of come up from this. One is, is that you know, 5G technology as it sort of comes out into play and is, is more commonplace, um, you know, ultimately an app like this would require the highest level of streaming, the highest level of 5G technology, um, you know, to essentially allow for a live camera feed from a player to be, you know, broadcasted, right? And uh, so that will be interesting to see how that plays out. And then sort of secondly, it this tech presents some additional challenges with regard to safety and compliance in terms of privacy. You know, what about play calling, um, copyright infringement, right? The broadcaster is going to appreciate, you know, having this separate broadcast being recorded. You know, there's a potential when you have a, a young football star who's got, you know, 10 million followers, you know, he may have, you know, 
larger engagement than the existing broadcast, depending on the game, right? So see how that plays out. And, uh, you know, again, from the safety, you know, sort of perspective, and imagine, you know, a punt return and getting hit really hard from a per- first person's perspective. I mean, obviously that's going to, you know, cause some issues and, um, you know, basically have an increased call for, for safety, right? So overall, uh, recapping, you know, we've talked about Champions Round, which is a micro-fantasy sports thing, uh, application, uh, which splits the fantasy season into four parts uh, where people have an extra chance to win. Clip Isle is a crowdsourcing application that uh, you can record concerts, and uh, it, it basically combines it with other recorded, um, you know, fan product and then you know, basically masters the sound and then turns it into a consumable product. And then the last one is Kingmaker, which is a first-person perspective on um, in sports. And of course, you could use this as other things. You could even go in the other way. You could use it as a an artist performing and what that looks like when they're performing on stage. There's a lot of really cool things that can be done with this. But of course, the major concern is copyright and who owns what, right? So um, overall, the above sort of uh, the previous examples um, they're all industry dis- disruptors. They create, you know, really two opportunities and simultaneous challenges. Number one, it's a focus on the experience economy and getting fans t- uh, what they want, which is a more involved experience. And number two is creating the potential for cutting out the middleman in transactions. Um, this is what's made Airbnb so powerful. What's made, um, you know, uh, Uber so powerful in the sense that, uh, there's no scaling involved. And you're allowing, um, you know, people to go, just go direct, right. Um, you know, going on social media directly, going on, uh, you know, distributing your own content directly. And that's sort of what I think, um, some of these applications are going to, are going to be doing. So again, I, I think each of the, the, uh, these startups, you know, create opportunities for, for gamification and advertising, you know, turning things into uh, marketable and sellable product. Uh, for advertising or what it might be, and also more engagement and revenue-producing endeavors. So anyways, folks, hope that you enjoyed uh, Episode 5 this week of Believe in Sports Law. I'm your host, Jeremy Evans, uh, via the Believe, Believe Podcast Network. Look forward to being back with you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.